This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. It's estimated the $5 billion was laundered through real estate transactions. The panel estimates that money laundering is responsible for increasing BC real estate prices by about 5%. And remember, that's an average across the province, so certainly in areas where you would see more money laundering activity and higher prices have housing, you would have seen a higher escalation. It's very clear that money laundering hurts people, it hurts our communities, and it hurts our economy. That is Finance Minister Carol James uh, about an hour or so ago outlining the extent to which the government says money laundering is having a huge impact on our province. Those two reports that were released today, uh, the one by Maureen Maloney and by Dr. Peter German, something like 500 pages in total. So yeah, there's some heavy reading going on right now. Uh, So joining us to talk more about this is Keith Baldry, Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief. Hi, Keith. Well, man, I'm going through this uh, big time, Simi. It's a lot of things to wade through in these bombshell reports, I can tell you. Yeah, I I, I was skimming through some of the recommendations in the Maloney report there for sure. What strikes you, like just from what you've seen so far, what do you just can't believe that you've read? Well, just the amount of cash transactions that have been going on for years uh, in the the real estate market. I mean, what was really new today was some of the real estate uh, information, the staggering amount of dollars that flow through that sector uh, in terms of money laundering. $5 billion last year alone, which is actually up from about $6 billion the year before. It had gone up, not down. And uh, again, 20% of all, uh, roughly 20% of all residences were purchased using a cash model. So this is basically the two problems uncovered by, the, by Peter German here is that it's, there's opaque ownership structures where it's really hard to figure out who the owner is and how they bought the home. And the second thing is um, uh, the amount of cash that is yeah. sent into the system and is moved around continuously uh, to be laundered and to purchase more and more real estate. And, and again, Peter German's reports are rather masterful. In, he's been criticized because he doesn't name names, but he says that's not his job. But he does provide some cr- incredibly good anecdotal information of how we got to this situation. He's got, he's got some examples where uh, a student with a service address at a, at a rented office outside BC bought 15 properties, uh, 15 Unreal. condos, for $3 million. And, and right now they have a combined value of $11 million. That's just one student. Uh, self-described homemakers. Uh, he, he says one between 2004 and 07, a homemaker went on two buying sprees, buying a dozen downtown row houses for four million, which are now worth fifteen million dollars. So these are there are thirty three thousand transactions last year that were involved students, homemakers, or unemployed people. That's what they listed on their documents. And and the, the problem is that we're just not tracking this information. People right. aren't reporting these transactions. Uh, they uncovered a lot of willful blindness, I think, and a lot of uh, holes in the system that do not provide uh, tracking of d- data, uh, do not provide uh, reporting of, uh, of cash transactions, do not re- 
uh, don't require the onus on people to basically be honest. And right. as a result, you've got $5 billion moving through the largely Metro, Van- uh, Metro Vancouver real estate market in one year alone. That is crazy. Now, Keith, I also have uh, Acting Mayor from Port Moody, Megan Lottie, here with me, and she's got some questions for you as well. Well, just one sure. in particular. Um, I'm wondering as you're skimming through the documents, um, you talk about these, these cash transactions that have been going on for years. Any idea of how far back this goes? Well, it goes. They they've only gone back a, a few years, and I think they haven't got the table in front of me. But I think it, it really was hovering around six billion dollars several years ago. Um, I don't think again. It's as Simi said off the top. It's about five hundred pages. We've yeah, gone through yeah. the executive summaries, and we've had technical briefings from both the authors, Peter German and Maureen Maloney. Uh, there was one reference in the report I saw that there was some stuff going on in the mid-1990s, uh, when Hong Kong reverted to the, uh, for, in terms of... Uh, uh, in 1997, status, yeah. Yeah, 1997, so the People's Republic of China. He flagged that as another time when there was a lot of suspicious activity as a lot of uh, people were trying to move money out of Hong Kong and it was landing in Vancouver, similarly potentially gaming the real estate system back then as well. Wow. So what about the lawyers? Uh, I understand as well there was some mention made of a yes. uh, number of lawyers who were helping to facilitate these transactions. Yeah, so the lawyers, again, there's no names in here, but there's two that are signaled out for little seats. And one is the lawyers, some lawyers, uh, for not reporting certain information that you would think should be reported. Uh, the uh, mention of the law society getting involved here. And again, I think Maureen Maloney's recommendations is a subtle bit touch on the legal profession as well. Uh, so, again, it all comes down to reporting information and reporting suspicious transactions and making sure that whatever documents you use are not opaque, but they're actually clear and uh, that it's not just something a lawyer can understand. Right. It's something that, uh, that regulators should be able to be able to have their hands on in terms of um, spotting something and taking steps to ensure something untoward is not going on. The other thing that gets better institution that gets a, a sort of a slap on the wrist here is FinTrack, which is a federal financial transaction analysis um, a unit, for not being more proactive and also for not sharing information with other regulatory agencies. It's interesting, Maureen Maloney's uh, report contains about 29 recommendations. About one-third of them basically involve getting the VC government to get more, or calling on Ottawa, mm-hmm. to become more proactive in working with the provinces to stamp this out because it's $7.4 billion, billion in BC last year. Uh, Maloney and German put the estimate federally at almost $50 billion. Whoa. So this is not a BC problem. You yeah, I, it I, goes right across the country, and they're calling on Ottawa to get take big steps to work with the provinces to get to the bottom of it. I have a feeling now, given the distractions of the Trudeau government on a number of fronts, whether or not this we're going to see much traction on that front uh, anytime soon. And certainly, the Attorney General David Eby didn't sound totally optimistic that we're going to get Ottawa's involvement on this in a, in a short time frame. Well, I mean, one. Thank you. Yeah, that's that was that actually is a good segue into one of the questions that I had, which was, um, I guess, uh, Attorney General Eby mentioned during his press conference that there were no agencies, or what was identified that was that there were no agencies or resources available to address this specifically in British mm-hmm. Columbia, and then, mm-hmm. but that we do have the Financial Transactions and Reports Analysis Centre of Canada, as you mentioned, FinTrack. Um, but they're obviously not doing a good enough job. So if the Canadian government or the federal government is is not sort of stepping up in this, uh, is there? I immediately thought that we're going to have um, to you find the resources yeah. exactly in BC, at least for BC, to be able to 
to uh, track this and, and monitor it. Yeah, is there any sign of that might happen? Well, there's a number of steps that uh, Maureen Maloney is calling on the province to take. And uh, uh, the, they've already started on the landowner transparency mm-hmm. registry. Uh, she wants that done as quickly as possible. And, th- and there are a number of things I think uh, David Eve and Carol James government can take here to, ma- to basically certainly allow uh, more public um, the, the open flow of information and require more uh, things to be documented and, and to be done so in a public fashion. So regulators will have ready access to uh, to a number of financial transactions. You know, they, they, she's calling them to replace the Mortgage Broker Act with a modern, right. you know, more regular, uh, more modern uh, approach to, to things. So, uh, you know, everything from discussion papers and studies to uh, just looking huh. over some of them um, should take the steps necessary to place the onus for compliance with the real estate uh, sector. Uh, on individual real estate licensees. So she's basically saying the province has the power to do stuff with the legal profession and with the realtor profession, the real estate industry. The actual criminal stuff is, again, largely a federal uh, jurisdiction, jurisdictional matter, and that may take some time to, uh, to deal right. with there. But in terms of the, the buying and selling, uh, the province has direct control over that, and I think you will see. Well, we've already seen some action from this government on that front, and now there's a, a, a path forward charted by Maureen Maloney of where they should go next. And uh, Carol James has not said yet which she's going to adopt all these uh, recommendations, but on the face of it, they seem pretty sensible. But we're near the end of the legislative session. There's no time to draw up a lot of these things into into bills yet. So if anything, we're probably looking at the fall right. for uh, the guts of this report to be implemented in terms of regulatory or, or legal changes. On the political front here, though, Keith, I thought it was interesting that they chose the year 2018. I mean, that was the NDP government were in power that year. That's the year that they looked at. The, if they'd gone to 2016, 2015, the numbers would have been higher. The housing market was crazy at that time. It, what, yes, it, 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 conceivably, yes, it is interesting. I mean, this is the data. They wanted to make this as modern as possible, most up-to-date as possible, to show that this is a, an ongoing problem and that uh, I think I think they sort of took a bit of the politics out of this because yeah. it didn't focus on the big, bad liberals. It was, you know, uh, it did occur under the liberals, of course, uh, to still huge, staggering amounts, but they decided to take a look at this year, this one particular, and focused on the anecdotal information uh, coming from that year, thirty-three thousand, as I say, thirty-three thousand um, homes were yeah. purchased by people who were either students or homemakers or unemployed people. And we're talking homes. We're not talking hundred thousand dollar homes. We're talking you know multi-million dollar homes uh, that, in some cases, were resold several times. So it's, uh, these are two really good reports. And I congratulate Peter German as I decided. I said to him, I said, you know, Von Palmer and I have been over here forever, and we've read a lot of reports over the years. I'll bet. I have to say, his reports really stand out because of their sort of exhaustive detail and from an anecdotal fashion that people can relate to of just what's going on out there without getting too technical or bogged down in the sort of the financial details. It's about real life stories of, you know, a 20 year old kid who doesn't even live in BC buying a $3 million home. How does that happen? And using cash to do it. Well, I know what I'm going to be reading tonight. Uh, Keith, thank you for your time on this today. Okay, bye-bye. That's Keith Baldry, our Global BC Legislative Bureau Chief, who, by the way, you can see all afternoon on BC One, and as well, uh, you can catch his analysis on this on the NewsHour and right here, of course, on CKNW throughout the afternoon. Uh, But I'm definitely going to be reading this tonight for sure. Doesn't it pique your interest as well? It does, and it really makes me think about um, the bigger picture and maybe that, uh, you know, this is about what's happening with the proceeds of crime. 
but how is that? What is what's the happening crime? to the money? Like, yeah, and what's hap- it's what's happening to the money? But how is that money landing here in the first place? And where's I, it coming I, from? Exactly, how's I heard it being generated. Well, I heard Mr. E B. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail, from accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Um, we sort of refer to the opioid crisis, and I'm wondering, like, that would be the purpose of a, of a public inquiry, to look at that bigger yeah. envelope of issue. So true. You know, we might have to change your title. I mean, we'd say acting mayor of Port Moody, but we might have to say like, you know, CKNW reporter, CKNW yeah. host, because you're diving right in there. Yeah, I'm, I'm multi, multi-dimensional. You really are. She's got notes. You should see. She's got all these notes in front of her. She's been asking <laughs> questions. We've got, we've got David Eby, the attorney general, coming up just after 1.30 to talk more about, uh, boy, the extensive amount of information that has been released today. 500 pages worth of reports looking at money laundering in this province. And I know you've got questions for him already, right? Like, what would you like to know? Well, I mean, he did mention during during his uh, press press conference, the uh, around the he mentioned the opioid crisis, and I and sort of it got me thinking that the bigger picture is you've got all this money that's been laundered, all these proceeds of crime, but what are the crimes that they're associated with, and how, how did, did that the money? How did they get the money exactly? Where's the money coming from, and and how is how is this ending up on our doorsteps? Because it's a bigger issue. It's like a whole um, connected cycle of criminal activity. And the way it's being described to us is only half the cycle. It's at the point where they launder the money. So is the money being generated here? Uh, And if so, is that the the drug industry? Is that the opioid overdose crisis? Is that all of that? There has been uh, discussion about that. You know, you've heard anecdotally that 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 is a connection, but I'd like to see if they can actually connect the dots. And, you know, it might help us in being able to to, um, address the opioid crisis that we're facing as well. Yeah, that's so true. Is that an issue in Port Moody? Well, it's an issue everywhere. I mean, it's it's a direct like there's there's all sorts of um social issues connected to to this crisis. Um it it's hit me personally and my family and and it's um I think everybody in the lower mainland is affected in some way or another. I think there's also a level of frustration with it too. It's like how do you how do you deal with it? How do you make people aware <sighs> of what's going on, of the risks that they're taking? If they are drug users, I mean, it's it, and then you're un, unrolling the, the the whole issue around um, decisions that were made, you know, some some years ago, fifteen or so years ago, to to close down mental health facilities and and driving yeah. people out into the streets and um, the the behavior that's started there and the addictions that started from that that result, were a result of that. So there's so much. Um, there's so much interrelated yeah. there, you know, homelessness, and it's just, it's a huge problem for it, everyone. 